Today, I want to talk to you about something God's been dealing with me about for about four months now, and I've been waiting to talk to you about it, and he didn't give me the release until a few days ago to preach this today. And I've been waiting for a while, and I'm so excited because this has really blessed my life. I want you to listen today because uh, it's kind of a follow-up to Wednesday, but it's its own separate message. It's called Touching Life for the Soul and for the body. So turn with me, please, if you would, to start off with uh, in the book of Matthew chapter 18. Everybody say, I am about to receive the incorruptible word of God. It's about to renew my mind. It's about to transform me. I'm going to be different. Today I receive my help. In Jesus' name. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will receive the word of God. In Jesus' name. Have a look quickly now. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Because I believe a rescue is coming to a bunch of people today. Because I've been, this has been, this has been on the slow. Ever had a slow cooker? Sometimes you come home and you, you, you get that fragrance, Victoria, as soon as you walk in there. Oh, Jesus, help me. And you attack that slow cooker because it's been marinating and cooking slowly for five, six, seven, eight hours. This has been in the slow cooker of my spirit for four months. I'm ready to let it out in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. And it says, again, I say unto you, thank you for your anointing, Holy Ghost. I yield to it and I trust it. That if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now, today's message is not about the prayer of agreement. That verse is talking about that. I want you to look at the word touching. Touching. If you, two of you agree as touching, touching anything that doesn't mean if Sandy and I agree for a job how could we touch a job a job you can't touch physically but in our minds we are thinking about that job and we're touching in our thoughts that job we are making what does touching mean I touch we got sparked I make a contact I have made a contact in my mind about that thing and I've touched it in the spirit realm because I can't physically touch it. Now, if you're agreeing for pain in your knee, you could physically touch, but you're also touching it in the realm of the spirit. You're you're, you're making contact. Do you understand? Now, have a look, please, in the book of uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Actually, let's do Galatians first. Galatians 6, verse 8. Galatians 6, you've got to turn quickly now. Are you ready? Galatians 6, 8. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You keep messing around, you're going to pay a price one day and you can come up with as many healing lines as you want. It's not going to work for you. You keep sowing to the flesh, corruption is your portion. But he that sows to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting. You do the right thing, you stay in the Spirit, you do things that God likes, like the fruits of the Spirit, you walk in love, you do these things, life will be the result in your life. Amen. Just like when a farmer sows a seed, he doesn't see the harvest the same day, it takes some months, and just like when you start to sow to the Spirit, you may not see a change that day, but you give it some months, you give it some years, you will see your life will look different. Amen. We've seen, we were talking yesterday, weren't we, Reverend Greg? We had to go and visit the lawyer yesterday, and we were talking in the car about people that have come to the church that had so much baggage 
and so much stuff, but they just kept coming and the word kept washing them and they started doing the word and being a doer of the word. What were they doing? They are sowing to the spirit and now two, three, four, five years later, their life looks completely different to the first day they came. Now they're prospered, they got a car, they're getting a house, their marriage is turned around, their kids are serving God. And if they hadn't come to sit under the word and do the word to sow to the spirit, their life would have been more corrupted. Okay, now, what did I say to you before this? Was it Romans 8 verse 6? Romans 8 verse 6. Romans chapter 8. This is the pinnacle chapter of the entire New Testament. Romans is the pinnacle book. Theologians call chapter 8 the pinnacle chapter of the entire New Testament. So much in this chapter. But let's just have a look quickly at Romans chapter 8 verse 6. And it says, For to be carnally minded is death. Remember, if you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, you sow to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Reverend Taylor, what does this mean? For your mind to think on the things of the spirit means that there's going to be life and a peace flow in your life. For your mind to be meditating and thinking on things of the carnal realm, of, the, of just darkness, or just even natural, even if it's not wrong, it's still not the spirit. The flow in your life will be death. Now, now have a look now. What does Pastor Nancy and Dad Hagen, what did they always say a phrase to us? Don't touch it in your thought life. Don't touch it in the mental arena when something comes. You can control your own thoughts. You don't have to think about whatever your little thought pops in your mind. You, your spirit can dominate your mind and say, I refuse to think about that thought. Do you understand? When you touch something in your thought life, what is happening, that's why we use that phrase, because you're combining the concept of Matthew 18 and also the concept of Romans 8, 6. Do you understand? You can touch things, make contact in the realm of the Spirit for agreement purposes, but you can also touch things in your thought life, and when you are thinking things of the Spirit, spiritually minded, what does that mean? You are touching the Spirit, and there's a flow from the Holy Ghost of divine life that flows into you when you touch things in your mind that are spiritual. I'm trying to make it simple for you and say it in different ways so you'll catch it. If you will think along the lines of the word, because the word, the Bible says, is spirit and life. He said, my words unto you, Jesus said, are spirit and life. That means the word of God is alive and it's spiritual in nature. And he says, and it's full of life. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Truth or the Spirit of the Word. So when you think about spiritual things, particularly the Word and any thought that goes in chorus with the Word, do you understand? I don't just mean legalistically you're thinking of a verse, but your thoughts are about things connected to the Word. When you think that way, what are you doing? You are making contact in the spiritual realm. You are touching the life of God. Are you with me? Think about things that are spiritually minded. Minded means your thoughts. Spiritually minded is life. 
so to the spirit you'll reap life. When your thoughts touch the things of the spirit that are godly thoughts, spiritual thoughts, you make a connection. You touch the life of God. The more you think about the life and the word, life will flow into you. People don't realize how tangible this is. The more you meditate on verses on healing, you are touching in your thoughts the life of God and it starts to flow into your physical body because your mind meditated on spiritual thoughts. That's, and it's real. So I shared with you a little bit on Wednesday, for example, I'm not rep repeating it, but I'm sharing a little bit with you, uh, I shared a bit with you on Wednesday about how all of us, all of us, nobody is exempt, every single person in this room this applies to, including myself. We have things, wounds, deep in our soul, things that have happened because of the past, Words that have been spoken that have cut us. Things our parents have put into us that some were good, some were not so good. Things from our, I don't believe in generational curses, you understand. We sever that by the blood. But there's tendencies and behavioral concepts that will come down. That if you don't take your foot to it, it will try to dominate your life. But we can put our foot to it in Jesus' name. All of us have imbalances in our perfect personalities. We do things we don't know why we do. We feel things we don't know why we feel. We act toward people in a way that we know is not always right. And I don't just mean because you're being mean to somebody. You could just be so introverted and so antisocial and so in, have no ability to connect with people and you just chalk that up to I'm an introvert. No, you're, something's wrong with you. God did not make you to act that way. If your soul was whole, you would not act that way. I didn't say you have to be the bubbly sanguine and the life of the party, but some people they can't, they just have an inability to connect and relate to people and there is usually a reason in the soul realm something is wrong, something has gone wrong many times years before, many times in their childhood and it has affected the way that they see society and they relate to society. And I shared on Wednesday, a lot of that you've got to, I focused on the praying more than the word last time. I'm going to bring the balance now. I said, well, a lot of that when you, like me, I, I was a workaholic and I didn't know why. I was worried about things and I didn't know why. And I didn't know, I didn't know. I can go to a psychiatrist. And by the way, my wife uh, gently and lovingly and, and rightfully so corrected me. And so I want to just say this publicly. We love psychiatrists because I was a little bit ornery on Wednesday. Psychiatrists, the only reason they have their job is to help people. Same with doctors. I'm not against them. And if it wasn't for them, a lot more people would be dead because of suicide. Or in insane asylums. So thank God for the people that do the best that they know to do to help. I'm not against them. I'm comparing the low level grade of their aid compared to the spirit of the holy God of the universe called the counselor. He's even called the counselor who four times in the book of John, 14, 15, and 16, four times he's referred to as the counselor. Three times he's referred to as the spirit of truth. The counselor wants to reveal to you the truth about why you are the way you are. And I'm not against the world, but their, whatever help they do, and God bless them for it, that measure, that, that amount of supply compared to the Holy Ghost is so infinitesimally small. But like my wife told me, some people, even Christians, are so with their face in the mud. They are so broken. They, are so, they won't do the word. Their mind is so broken, they could do the word and God would restore them quickly. But their will, they, they just won't. They choose not to do the word. They choose not to come to church. 
And we've encountered that many times. We had a pedophile come into our church years ago and, and he was arrested and had a record and everything. And, and I said, now, if you'll come, we had to put ushers on him. They had to watch him. They had to go to the bathroom with him. We had to have all these safety procedures. We had to get our, our insurance company in agreement. I mean, it was a lot of work for one guy. But after all those many hours, I sat with him and I said to him, now listen, my brother, I said, God loves you. I don't judge you and hold it against you. You've asked Jesus to forgive you and the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. But if you want to change the way you think and if you want to get free and if you want to be normal, you've got to come and sit under the word. I can't help you if you don't come. He came for about two months and then he stopped coming. Do you understand? You can't, you can't make people do it. And I called him after months that he hadn't come and I talked to him on the phone one more chance and I said, listen, I'm giving you answers, but if you won't come to get the answers, please. And I gave him some different numbers and I said, call this Christian psychiatrist because it would be better to lie on the couch, ideally with a Christian who's born again. They still have the concepts of psychiatry and psychology, which are good and helpful, but they're not coming at it from a, as much of a darkened system. So they kind of get the best of both worlds. And I give people three so that nobody can tell me I'm trying to promote one over the other. And I say, here are three options. Please, my brother, go and talk to somebody to get help because the higher is here, but you won't take the higher. So at least get the lower. Do you understand? I'm not against those counselors. I'm just saying, if you compare what their amount is compared to the Holy Ghost, my God, you can't compare them. I'm not a counselor, I'm not a professional therapist, but I've got the Holy Ghost. And I can help you, and you've got the same Holy Ghost. So I talked about, if you don't know, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know why I felt what I felt. Just presented to the Father. Father, I don't know. Do a self-assessment on yourself. Father, I don't know why I'm worried about this. I don't know why I think about this all day long. I don't know why I act this way. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know, but you know. The counselor knows. So I don't know it's a mystery to me. So I'm going to do 1 Corinthians 14, 4. And I'm going to pray concerning this behavioral pattern in my life. I bring it up before your throne of grace for help and mercy in my time of need. And I begin to now say, Father, I pray out the mystery of I don't know why I act this way, but you know and you can fix me. So I begin to pray out the mystery of this behavioral pattern. And I started to do that and God started to reveal to me. He took me back to when I was a, three different occasions when I was a child, different times growing up and things that were said that I had forgotten about. And he said, now when that was said, that thing came into you. And that was said, that thing came into you. And that was said, that thing came into you. And he said, you are living with the results of a, of a broken heart. And that is why you have all these things going on in your life. But I can heal you, son. So part of it, very important, is to pray in the Holy Ghost because the mystery will be made known to you. But there's another part. I'm not really preaching Wednesday. You can listen to it. But there's another part, and that's what I'm really focusing on today. You've got to touch. You've got to make contact with your thoughts, with the Word, because the Word is spirit. When you're spiritually minded, when your thoughts are after the things of the spirit, what happens? You make a connection with the very life, the Zoe of God, and it begins to flow into you and fix whatever's wrong with you. So one half of the coin is pray it out so that you know what's wrong and so that healing can start to flow. But also get in the word. Think about the word. Make contact with your mind on the things of the spirit and you will touch life. And life will flow. Amen. Amen. 
The psychiatrist doesn't have life. They have soul power. We're talking about the spiritual life of God will fix you in half the time, a tenth of the time, a thousandth of the time at no cost. Talk about a health insurance plan of the spirit. My God, what's a great, there are many, but I want to give you just one. You can look up the rest. Don't be lazy, y'all. But what's one good verse when you're dealing with soul issues or any issue for that matter? Have a look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now I'm just saying, I say this over me. I would encourage you to do the same. It's very general in nature, but it's powerful. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means all of you. And I pray God that your, Lorraine, your whole spirit, all of your spirit, your whole soul, all of your mind, all of your will and all of your emotions and feelings and your whole body from your big toe up to your hair follicle. I pray God that your whole spirit, soul and body would be preserved blameless. That means be perfect and complete unto the coming, unto the day of the rapture. Now, my soul includes my emotions and my feelings. Now, I can claim this verse. We got lots of verses for healing of the body, but a lot of people stumble over healing of the soul. You still need your mind and your emotions healed. And so, Father, I claim that, Lord, that I would be holy in my, all my spirit and all of my emotions, everything to do with my soul realm, that I would be found preserved as blameless and complete and perfect and entire and healed and whole, W-H-O-L-E, until the day I'm raptured. You need, now see, as I meditate, Taylor, something's happening that you, a lot of people don't realize. As I'm thinking about that, even right now, as I'm doing it right now in the service, and as you're doing it right now, it's happening whether you feel it, whether you realize it or not. As I'm meditating on, as I'm, my mind is thinking on the word and thoughts about the word, that's things of the spirit. The word is spirit and life. As I am, my, my mind is connecting to that thing over there called spirit and life called the word of God. And I'm thinking about it. I am making, I am touching that thing. I am making contact with that. And my spiritual thoughts making contact with spiritual things, namely the word, will connect me to the very life of God. It's like a reaching on, it's like a connector cable. As I think about the word, I plug into life and life starts to flow into me, to heal me in whatever area I need. But if you never think about the word, if you always have your thoughts on other things, you are actually connecting to death. Let me give you an example. Keith Moore said, he worked with Dad Hagen and Bible in healing school for years. And he said that in his healing, you, you remember, you were there, right? You remember Reverend Sandra. And he said in the healing school there at Ramah, he said there were people Many got healed, some didn't. But he said there were people there that would come with serious life-threatening illnesses. And they'd sit under that word and he'd give them homework. They'd go to class in the morning. Some of them didn't even, I don't even think went to the school, they just came to the healing school, but many of them came to the school as well. So they'd be sitting in class and then healing school was in the afternoon and they'd sit under the teaching of the word and worship and prayer. And then he'd give them homework. So in the morning, they were under the word. In the afternoon, they were under the word. And then he'd give them homework and say, now tonight, I want you to meditate on these five verses. I want you to pray these other verses out. See, what was he doing? He's keeping their mind on things of the spirit. Why? So that contact would be made for life to flow. 
And so they would do that. And he said, sometimes in even a week, two, sometimes three, up to 80% of their symptoms would go. Healing power was working. Cancers were being withered. Things were physically manifesting were happening. Now listen to this. It'll, you'll learn something. Then he said, vacation time would come. Christmas break or whatever the break was. Columbus Day. Right, Reverend Dan? I don't know when that is, but it's apparently one of your big holidays there. July 4th. We're first, you're fourth. We're ahead of you. Don't forget that. <laughs> July 4th, whatever the break was, and they would go for a week or two, he said, back home. Wherever that home was, then they're coming back to Tulsa a couple weeks later, usually around Christmas time. And he said, he said it so disturbed him because so many people would come back after that two-week break and about 70% of the symptoms that had left had come back on them. The tumors had grown again. People that had migraines that it had almost stopped were back to having migraines every day. People that had sugar diabetes that they would measure themselves by pricking, you know, and they were almost down to normal. Two weeks later, they were almost back up to where they used to be. And he had been working with them for three, four months. And so he started to talk to the Lord about that and said, Lord, this is not good. This is my job. My job is to teach him and to help him. And I'm helping him. Your word is doing the work, but they leave and they come back. And it's just, it's like, I'm, I'm not making traction here. And God revealed something to him. The same as what I'm preaching to you. God said these words to him. He said, son, when they're around you, when they're around the school, they are touching life three times a day for many hours because their thoughts are constantly on the word and life is flowing into their body and even if somebody hasn't laid hands on them to transmit healing power by the laying on of hands just the meditation of the word will cause a divine life to flow into you supernaturally are you listening to me this is how powerful this is Nobody even, order, even always necessarily lay hands on them. They just were thinking about the word three times a day, hours a day, and life. See, they touched it. They touched life. And life would flow, and this tumor would begin to shrink. See, those rebellious tumor cells, when they encounter the life of God, somebody has to yield. And nothing overcomes the life of God. They will submit. Now listen, he said, but son, they go away to their family. Now listen, I'm quoting you what he said God told him. And their good meaning family that are not saved and sometimes even are saved, say to them five times a day, forget that faith stuff. Tell me how you really feel. Forget all that stuff that they teach you. I know you believe it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Just tell me how you really feel. How many family members have asked you that? Just tell me how you really feel. So they'll start talking about how they really feel. Well, I feel tired. Well, I feel down. Well, I miss my side is still hurting. Now it's gone down 80%, but they're now saying how they feel. And what are they doing? Their thought life has got off the things of the spirit and the word. And now their thoughts are on carnal things, natural things, earthly things, darkened things. And now they're touching a power in the realm of the spirit by their thoughts. And the power they're touching is not God's power. And death starts to flow back into them. And it reinvigorates the cancer cells and the tumor starts to grow. And I'm talking this was proven medically. That, I mean, this is not, this is not hearsay. 
they would leave, they'd come back, the tumor would be bigger. Why? It wasn't because they got to become Satanists. It wasn't because they were into weird kinky sin or perversion or weird stuff. They just started talking about how they felt. They just started meditating on the things of the natural and what happened. You see, anytime, Beverly, you think about something, it's either going to be godly or it's not going to be godly. I don't mean extremism like a little thought comes here or there. Don't get weird with it. I'm talking about you, you're thinking about something en masse. You are touching life or you are touching death. Your thoughts connect you. Spiritually minded is life. Carnally minded is death. Thoughts of the carnal, you invite death. Thoughts of the spirit, you invite life. And you just, you don't have to get into gross sin, Taylor. Just stopping, just a a cessation of thoughts about the word for an extended period of time will open the door for death to start flowing. And it's not necessarily that you're demonized or anything like that. It may not even be a demon in place. It's just the laws that God has placed in the earth. If If you stay connected with him, Life flows. If you don't stay connected in your thought life to him, death flows. And you notice, it's not about the altar, although that is a big part. That's not the sermon today. It's about your thoughts. So some people, it's very easy. We shouldn't judge. But some people, they come here and they give the hoop and the holler and the shout, the buck and the snort. And everything is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we all think you're just a powerhouse. But we don't see you when you get home. We don't hear the music you listen to on the way home. And unless God reveals it to me by a word of knowledge, it's none of my business. But all I know is that I know what I do on the way home. I know what I watch when I get home. And that's why I am the way I am. And I'm still needing more from God. But I don't watch you. I don't see who you talk. I don't see what stuff you're letting into your eye gates. I don't see that kind of carnality and carnal behaviors that you're in. I don't know what your thoughts are on. You're all Jesus, Jesus at church, but that is only a minuscule part of your week. What are you doing the other 100, 200 hours in your week? Get your calculator. What is 24 times 7, Reverend Taylor? Hurry up now, brother. Don't have such a long code on your phone, then we'd already have the number. What? 168. How how many hours is Sunday? Two. That's 166. What about Wednesday? One and a half. Let's say two in case I'm long-winded. 164. Now, assuming that you don't come to prayer in the mornings or any other deal we have, you have 164 hours a week. Now, I know a lot of that is sleeping time. So take eight times seven and tell me what that is. Quick, quick, quick now. Take off 66 from 164. I can do it myself. That's 98. I'm not an idiot. One away. I am an idiot. One away. Not 108. You told me 164. 164 minus 66 is 98. 56. Okay, okay, whatever. 108. I'm going to get you back on that thing, and I'm not going to have Dan behind you next time. You have after sleep and after church, you have 108 hours a week. I wonder how many of those hours you're meditating on something to do with God. Whether it's a scripture verse, whether it's worship, whether it's reading a book, whether you're just thinking about him, whether you're just loving on him. And how much of that you're totally, your mind is just connected to the world, society, TV, social media, work, what all your secular friends think and say. You better take, listen. It's easy for me to say, wow, I wonder why that person never gets healed. I don't take the pressure of it because I don't live with you 108 hours a week. 
Sure. Now, I know that if you do the right thing at 108 hours a week, God is not a man that he should lie. Let all men be liars. God is true. If you do, if you keep your mind connected to the things of the Spirit, life will continue to flow and you will have the results I'm preaching. And if you come and you don't, don't you think I, I do feel bad for you, but it's not my fault. Because I don't live with you the 108 hours. And if I could, I would beat you silly with the Word of God. I'd make you memorize it. I'd shove it down your throat. Literally, I'd write it on a piece of paper and make you eat it. <laughs> the Bible says the scroll became like honey in my mouth. I'll take, I'll take a piece of paper. I'll pour honey on it. I'll make you eat it. That's not really what we're talking about. Eating a honeyed scripture doesn't do anything for you. It's about, it's got to get into your heart. It's not your belly physically, it's your heart. I can't get it in your heart. Nobody can but you. But I'm telling you, if you do it, you can fake me out. You can't fake God out. Any human being, I don't care how devastated the sickness is. If you will just put your mind to the life of the Spirit, God will start to work on you. And for people that it doesn't seem to work, big clue. They're hypocrites. Don't, don't, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feeling. I'm just trying to let you know the life of God works. If it don't work for you, something's wrong. You are not doing the Bible because if you were and it didn't work, God would be a liar and that is an impossibility. I'm telling you, we got to keep our thoughts on the word. Touching life. The more you think about God, the more it flows. Oh my God. This has been in the slow cooker. The meat, Reverend Blair, is marinated and falling off the bone. And I got 27 minutes, so it's my service and you can't leave. Whole spirit, whole soul, whole body be preserved, preserved, preserved. You see that word preserved? My soul is preserved. I am held strong. My body is held strong. My mind is held strong. My emotions are preserved. Do you understand? That word means God holds me by his power. My youth renewal covenant holds me. I am preserved perfect and blameless and without any desire of anything else, complete all of my body, all of my soul, and all of my spirit until the day I'm raptured. Because at that point, I'm getting a brand new body and I don't need that anymore. Hold on to that verse. The more you meditate on that, life is flowing. Amen? The more you meditate on her, <laughs> I won't say the name, but there's a precious lady. She never ended up coming to our church, even though she knew she, I knew she was supposed to. I don't think she knew. Maybe she did. I don't know. Who cares? But this is years ago. She came. I knew who she was. She was one of my mother's friends. And uh, not only they talk anymore, but they used to. They used to go to the same church years and years ago. She come and came up for healing. I, can, I talk, can I please talk to the pastor? Sure. How you doing, sweetheart? How you doing? I'm doing good. She's pastor. This is my problem. And she starts listing me out the conditions. But you don't just say I've got bronchitis. She tells me the medical Latin term for bronchitis. Then she gives me verbatim. I mean, she memorized it. The entire thing about what that does in her respiratory system. And I'm like, my God, you're like a doctor. And she went on like six things like that. And as she's talking, I'm getting a bit bored. But as she's talking, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And he said, son, she is meditating more on the sickness yeah. than she is on my word. And you better tell her to quit doing that because if she don't, her future is dark. Yeah. 
I looked at right in her face. She was an older lady. I said, ma'am, listen to me. You're meditating on that more than you are in God's word. There's nothing not wrong with knowledge, but there's, a, there's an imbalance in your life. And I said, I'm speaking to you. Whether you receive it or not, it's going to be on your head. God is warning you and rescuing you today. I'm warning you. If you keep this up, your future will be dark. And I said, not only do you need to quit this meditation, but you need to get into a church like ours or another church that teaches strong on healing. Yes. Well, that person some years later got back in touch with me. I hadn't talked to them in years. Right. And, and the first thing they said, I, I need the surgery, this, and I'm going to do that. And their whole health has broken down. And as I'm reading that, my heart was not like, ah, I told you so. I was brokenhearted for her. And the Lord said, you remember I told you her future would be dark? I said, yes. He said, look, son, her future's dark. Her present's dark. And her future's even darker. Because she'll probably die over this. Unless she got real skilled surgeons. And even then, the quality of life is almost nothing. You know what it was? She was touching. Even though it sounded responsible. And it sounded educated. And it sounded like legitimate. But she was meditating on the natural. And she was connecting to what's on this earth realm, which is death. Stop meditating on what the doctor says. Nothing wrong with telling, getting the doctor to say something. But once he's told you, don't go research it to death. Don't go figure out if the doctor knows what he's talking about. The doctor knows what he's talking about. Leave him alone. He went to medical school. If he tells you you've got this, oh, I want a second opinion. Get a second opinion. But once they've told you, don't spend 1,900 hours on the internet searching if there's a different way. And I think I need you to get a fourth different opinion. You're wasting your time. 99.9% what the doctor said is right. And what you need to do is start to meditate on the word. You meditate on spiritual things so the flow of life can start flowing into you instead of all the other stuff because that flow of death, you sow to that stuff, you'll reap corruption. Now, I won't get to all of it, but I'm talking, mainly point number one following up on Wednesday was more about soul issues. Okay, I want to talk to you a little bit for a second about physical issues. And you can do this on your own. I only did one phrase out of Deuteronomy 28. But if you take your time and you study this, you would be shocked and astounded at what you find out. Because the King James Version lists a whole bunch of different problems there as part of the curse. And a lot of people don't know what emeralds are. I bet you your mama never taught you what the botch of Egypt is. Because those are old English words, but you start figuring out what the botch is. And you start figuring out what emeralds are. If you study and figure out what modern, that's what the, what the modern understanding is of those words, it lists a very large plethora of diseases. And that's really good news for us. You know why? Because if you don't obey me, you're opening the door so it's going to come on you. But now Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is any man that hangs upon a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon those who receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So that's the curse of the law and all its listings and all its diseases, but I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. That means Jesus is, I'm, that means I'm not subject to that. And then verse 60 and 61 says, and all sicknesses that are not recorded in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Every sickness and disease that exists, it could have come on you, buddy. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming on you. Yeah. 
if you disobey and if you get out of covenant. But if you're a covenant man, oh my God, you have been redeemed, not just from what's listed in that chapter, but you have been redeemed, according to verse 61, from every single sickness and disease that they didn't even know and have names for when Moses wrote that, but they were on the earth, or maybe new diseases like coronavirus. They didn't know about coronavirus, but that disease was in the earth, just lying dormant in some snake in China somewhere. And then the other viruses and some pig somewhere and some other Ebola and some monkey somewhere. They were always in the earth. They just, people didn't know about them. But I have a right. <laughs> I have a right. I don't wear no stupid face mask. I have something better than a face mask. I say, Father, coronavirus is found in Deuteronomy 28:61. You said any sickness that is not in the book of this law. Now that is a curse of the law. And I claim Galatians 3.13 that I've been redeemed from that curse and from that thing that is found in verse 61 that medical science gave a name to. I've been redeemed. It has no right to touch me for that name is above every name. And the name coronavirus will bow to the name of Jesus according to Philippians 2. Now you see, what am I doing? I'm meditating. My thoughts are on life. Not, oh, quickly, honey, Amazon's out. Let's try another website. We have to buy masks, face masks. Quickly, honey, I want the triple foam layer. I want the antibacterial gauze on the inside. Oh, honey, quickly, they're running out. Buy a couple boxes. In fact, buy 10, we might need them. We don't know how long the corona's gonna last. That's what sinners do. That's what heathens far from the covenant of grace. I've been given a covenant. Coronavirus is found in Deuteronomy 28, 61. All the sicknesses that aren't written in this book, coronavirus is one of them. Same with H1V1 flu, this wine thing, swine something. I don't even know what they all are. I don't care. I was in the doctor's office. The lady was hacking, hacking. I looked, she was dying, man. And the thought come to me, oh my God, I need a mask. That thought came to me, Blair. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, take a deep breath, son. I said, Lord, what do you mean take a deep breath? He said, take a deep breath as you walk by or just take, swallow as much air as you can. I said, Lord, I should cover my mouth. There's germs here. He said, yes, but if you understand your dominion, the germ dies on contact with your skin. I'm not trying to provoke God. God said that to me. I didn't, I didn't just play games. But, but, but Lake took a hand of the foam out of the dead man's mouth of the bubonic plague and said, doctors, I perceive you'd like to do an experiment on me. Put my hand under the microscope and tell me what you see. Do not the germs die on contact with my skin? Yeah. And they said, we've never seen the likes of this in medical science before. They are actually dying as they touch your skin because you see the life of God is emanating out of my pores. It's emanating. It's emanating. When coronavirus comes, it dies. It's emanating. I apply the blood. The blood is the life of God. It is on me. When things touch me, they die. But you must meditate. You must believe this to be so. If all your day is spent watching Shopping Channel and this and that and cooking and cleaning and gym and all that's fine. But if you don't have any time to meditate on the things of life, you don't even realize but death has been flowing. It's, it may not catch up with you that day, but it will catch up with you eventually. Your, your immune system will be depressed because the working of death is working in you. Wow. 
I'm serious. You meditate on the word, it keeps your immune system strong because the working of life is working through your cells. So I took one. You could, you could figure out what the botch is. And you can do with every one of those phrases what I'm doing with one phrase. Could you read it with me? And then we'll close. I didn't get to the last part. The last part was how to overcome addictions. But I'll do that next Sunday. And that will flip your wig and turn it a different color. Because God gave me two verses. He said, son, you're addicted to food. I, I'm not. I believe in lettuce. I'm not addicted. He said, son, anything that controls you. And he gave me two verses in the New Testament that are setting me free. I'm telling you, they work. So on Wednesday and a little bit today, I'm talking about soul areas. Pray out in the Holy Ghost for the specifics to get the mystery revealed, but stay in touch with life. You with me? Now I'm talking about physical problems, soul and body now. I'm going to give you a phrase from Deuteronomy 20, then we're going to close. And then next week, we're going to talk about both soul and body in terms of addiction. Because you could have an addiction that starts in your mind. It always starts in your mind, but it manifests through your body. Do you understand? It manifests through your body. You're addicted to pornography. It starts with your mind, but it manifests through your eyes. You're addicted to food. It starts with your mind, but it manifests with your eating. You have addiction to shopping, and some people do. It starts with your mind, and it manifests with you spending money that you don't have on things you don't need. And going in debt. Yeah, and it's a real thing to many people. So whoever's laughing, Sandy, is just, I don't know, one of you have an addiction to shopping because both of you are laughing. I'm just kidding. So next week we'll talk about mind and body in terms of addictions. And if you know somebody that's addicted, do what you have to do. Listen, don't break the law, but put them in the trunk of your car and drag them to church. Chain them to your bumper and just go real slow on the 401 and make them run. Get them here. They're so tired from running. They just collapse on their seat. They can't move for the rest of the service except to listen. I mean, don't break the law, but do everything you can. Bend it as far as it can go. And if you know somebody that's addicted, you get them here next Sunday. I'm telling you, they will be completely set free. And I'm not promising I'll even lay hands on them, but the power of the word will change them. So we're talking about soul. Now let me give you one phrase, Reverend Dan, from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Would that be okay? Because remember, we're talking about life. The more you meditate on this, the more it will work for you. Now, it's very easy to remember this one, which is why I picked it, because it's not hard to forget, Reverend Taylor. But it's Deuteronomy 28, 28. Nice and easy for a simple guy like me. Now, I know you're excited about the botch and the emeralds. That's verse 27. We'll let you figure out what those are later. But I want you to focus on verse 28 of Deuteronomy 28. The Lord shall smite thee. In other words... Technically, we know God's good and the New Testament doesn't smite, but you disobey the covenant, you open yourself up for whatever's in the world system to come on you. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. Okay? Now, madness and astonishment of heart are virtually the same thing. They're slightly different, but they're virtually the same. So I'm going to give you, I did a study on what they meant. I looked them up in the Hebrew and I also looked them up in many different translations. Can I give you an example of what madness? It doesn't mean you're angry. It doesn't talk about that madness. Madness and astonishment of heart. That's not when your dad gives you a new car and you go, oh, I'm so astonished. It's not that kind of an astonishment of heart. This is a bad thing. Blindness is simply blindness. You're going to go blind. 
Okay, there's, not, there's nothing else to say. You're going you're to lose your eyesight. So we're redeemed from that, praise God. Which includes glasses if you wear them. You're redeemed from it. But now have a look at madness, Turvin Taylor, and astonishment of heart. It means in the Amplified, bewilderment. I'm bewildered. In the classic Amplified, it means dismay. Dismay of mind and heart. I'm dismayed. Those aren't good things. Now it also means in the Berkeley translation, confusion in your mind. I like the Binghamton translation. It means imbecility. <laughs> you call people an imbecile? Technically, that means that they've gone crazy. That's what it means. I, <laughs> you open the door. I don't like to say God will smite you. It says that, but we know New Testament, that's not what happens. It's the door is open for the devil to bring this on you because he's the author of sickness and disease. This doesn't mean God will do it. In the Hebrew, it means God will permit it. Permitting something and, and, and being the cause of something is totally different. He may permit something, but it doesn't mean that he actually did it. So God will permit or the devil will attack you with imbecility. Make you an imbecile. I know some people think that you already know somebody that's an imbecile, but you probably don't. By the strictest definition of the word, it means you've gone plumb crazy. The New Living Translation says that the devil will put on you panic attacks. The Holman says mental confusion. The Message Translation says you'll become senile. See, it's all connected to your mind. Now the Good News translation says, the Good News Bible says that, that it will come up, the Lord will permit upon you to lose your mind. It actually says lose your mind. The uh, Common English Bible says the Lord will allow to come on you to go crazy. Go crazy. The Dewey Rames translation says that you'll have fury of mind. And uh, a distracted mind. The Binghamton translation says that you'll, you'll, you'll move into insanity. The basic translation says you will have a diseased mind. And then and my favorite one, the Knox translation says you'll be crazed in your wits. Crazed? Crazy. <laughs> What's your wits? You know, people say you, you've got a sharp wit. That means you've got a quick mind, a sharp wit. Now you're going to be crazed in your wits. That means your mind is gone plumb stark crazy. And it's not a, as we laugh, but it's not a joke as the St. Asylums are full of people that are crazed in their wits. Now, let me give you an example. As you get older, your brain ages, but you have a right to reverse the aging process because of the life of God. So dullness, so lethargy, not being quick in thought, not being alert. That is nothing, that is not your, that those things are not your portion. Alzheimer's disease has no right to touch a child of God because you've been redeemed. Verse 28 includes Alzheimer's disease. It includes dementia. We just met a precious man yesterday whose father is 90, 87 or something and he's 84 and he's got full of dementia, doesn't even know what planet he's on. And here is a precious father that you've loved all your life and they don't even know who you are. That is, that is part of being crazed in your wits. That is, come, that is called being senile. That is called losing memory. All of that is part of the curse of the law and God forbids it for the believer. Believers should never encounter this. 
And here's the problem. People know you in the congregation. You know you shouldn't say, oh, I'm losing my mind. Don't ever say that. But you see, oh, you know, oh, I'm so forgetful. Don't say that. Oh, I'm going senile. Don't say that. Now, you know you shouldn't say that, but here's the problem. A lot of you fear it. You may not say it because you know it's a bad confession, but in your heart you're afraid of it because you've seen it at work in somebody else's life and something inside of you says, it's coming on you. And you don't let it escape your lips, but that doesn't mean, are you listening to me? I'm trying to help you. Just because you don't say it does not mean the force of death in that area is not flowing into your mind. Because if you keep being afraid of it and you keep thinking about it and you keep meditating on it, you are touching in your thought life, you are sowing to the flesh. You are touching carnality. Being a carnally minded person thinks and is afraid of these things and you will. It will start to flow into you. Death will be your portion. You may not confess it, but if you're afraid of it, death is flowing. Are you listening? You cannot be afraid of it. Even if you don't let it escape your lips, your heart cannot dread it. You cannot be afraid. Death is still flowing because your thoughts are making contact with the spiritual realm. No, your thoughts must be on the word. Your thoughts must be on I'm redeemed. Your thoughts and your words must line up because now your thoughts, Jenny, have touched the realm of God. And whether you are confessing, which you should do as well, what I'm going to tell you to confess, but even if you don't say a word, Taylor, just the meditation on the word of God causes life to flow. Oh my God. Let's say you have a learning disability. Let's say you were born without something in your brain. You know, you, yes, somebody may well lay hands on you and that's fine with the working of miracles, but you know, you can get healed totally on your own. You just keep meditating and touching with your thoughts the life of God, the life of God, the life of God, and keep speaking and keep meditating and keep confessing and keep speaking the word and keep speaking in line with the word and keep saying, thank God I'm healed. Thank God I'm free. My mind is perfect. I'm a straight A student. I'm not less. My God has made me whole. I'm delivered from these curses. I'm redeemed. You just keep doing that. Life, 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 life. And don't be surprised if all of a sudden you decide, one day somebody comes in, you know, you're different. You used to have a trouble learning, didn't you? My God, you're different. You're like everybody else. In fact, you're smarter than everybody else. Oh yeah, because I'm healed. As opposed to somebody that just does nothing and accepts their, their lot in life. You can turn anything. All you need is time. So, let me read you as we close. Huh. The, the, the one that there's many verses, but the, I love this verse because it counters crazed in your wits. I want everybody to say this with me. I will never lose my mind. I will never lose my memory. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. What are we going to start saying? That I am quick. I'm sharp, I'm alert, and I'm good looking, and I'm very rich, and I'm a major blessing, and I'm full of life and peace. Because remember, if you meditate on the Spirit, it will be life and peace. Don't just say you're very rich, say you're a major blessing. That means the riches are flowing through you and helping other people. And some of you by faith said I'm good looking, but you just keep saying it. 
I'm quick, Jenny. I'm sharp. I'm bright. And I'm alert. My mind is quick. I'm right on the ball. I don't forget anything. Even into my hundreds, I'm going to remember everything. I'm telling you, if you'll start, you see, as you talk about that, you're tapping into life. You don't just need a healing line. You're tapping into life. Praise God. Now, read with me Isaiah chapter 11, and then we'll close. Isaiah chapter 11, 2 to 3. This is the verse. There's many, but I just love this verse because it counters so beautifully. Crazed in the wits, losing your mind, senileness, dementia, confusion of mind, dismay, bewilderment. It confused, it, it, it totally rebuffs all of that. Isaiah 11, verse 2 to 3. Now, this is talking about Jesus, is it not? But don't just stumble over that because what does is, what is, is Ephesians chapter 2 say? That we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ. That we are joint heirs with Christ. That he is our elder brother. That means any verse you see talking about Jesus, it's talking about you. Now the Old Testament people couldn't claim that, but you can because you're in Christ. So look at verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch, capital B, shall grow out of his roots. Out of David's lineage came Jesus. Amen. Now, this is talking about Jesus, but that means also talking about you because you're in him. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Put your name in there. Shall rest upon Craig. And the spirit of wisdom, that anointing of wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is knowing how to handle things. Understanding is understanding what's going on. Do you understand? The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, reverence. Amen. Watch now. And shall, what, what is this spirit of wisdom and counsel and might? What does it do for you? Verse 3. And shall make him, Jesus, but also me, because I'm in him. And shall make me of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Now watch this. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither approve only after the hearing of his ears. You say, what does that mean? Oh, this verse has a double edge to it that is absolutely tremendously powerful. When you hear the word quick understanding, yes, it is on a lower level, on a base level, referring to that you are quick and alert and, and active in your mind. Amen. But that is the very basics. It's talking about a lot more than that. You're not just quick and alert, Reverend Sandra. You're of quickened, the Hebrew is quickened. You're of quickened understanding. Do you understand what that means? You don't just make decisions by what you see and by what you hear. And that means you don't just make decisions by natural calculation. Because the spirit of wisdom is on you, that's the Holy Ghost. You are, have quickened understanding. You know what to do. It is quickened on the inside of you. You know what to do. You know the answer. You know which way to go. You know. You just know. It's not just because you've looked with your eyes and assessed. It's not just because you've heard the report with your ears and are trying to make a judgment call. You're not just naturally dependent on natural calculation. Because the Spirit of God is on you. You have, he quickens to you an understanding heart. You know what to do. 
<laughs> the New Testament equivalent is I have an unction from the Holy One and I know all things. You see, this is talking about a quickened understanding. It's the same thing. Quickened means spiritually made alive. So you're in the Holy Ghost inside you. He is that unction and you have that unction and he causes you to know what you need to know. I have the spirit of wisdom on me, might and counsel, and it quickens my understanding. I know not just by my natural eyes, not just by my natural ears. I'm in the know because I've quickened understanding. Amen. Do you understand how powerful that is? Don't you not ever have to make, listen, you struggle making decisions, start speaking this over yourself. Yeah. Father, I claim your word over my life. And you got to actually do it. See, I'm not just preaching to the choir. You got to do it. Yeah. Lord, I speak your word over me that the spirit of God rests upon me. That, Lord, I have the spirit of wisdom and understanding on me. I have a spirit of counsel and I have might on me. I have the spirit of knowledge on me. And you will make me of quick understanding. I will not only make decisions by what I see and hear. I'll make decisions by the spirit. Because I have an unction and I know all things. But, Lord, that also means my mind is alert. I'm sharp. I'm quick. I'm active. I don't just, or I'm not just led by my spirit only, but my mind, as it processes my spirit, is alive and sharp. It's sharp. I'm sharp. I'm not dull. I'm not sluggish. I don't forget things. I'm not going to ever lose my mind. I'll never go crazy. I'll never become senile. I'll never go insane. Never, never, never. Because I've been made of quick understanding. Now you start even as even part of cultural society, you start even joking or saying it without realizing it and you keep saying it, oh, that drives me crazy. Well, Pastor, you're just being in the confession place. Yeah, actually I am. Because you let those words come out of your mouth too often. Oh, that drives me crazy. Don't ever say it drives me crazy because you're never going to be driven crazy. You're never going to lose your mind. You're never going to get Alzheimer's disease. And if you're afraid inside, even though you're not saying it, you better get your thoughts lined up because you're touching death and you don't even realize it. Yeah. Hallelujah. I have quick understanding. I'll never go crazed in my wits. Oh, hallelujah. God is so good. You know, what is this really saying? I'll know things instead of having to figure them out. Quickened understanding, not by eyes and ears only, means I know it. I don't have to figure it. You can look at a car. It happens. Jane and I test this all the time, don't we, honey? Like when I bought my car. I just looked at that car, the one I wanted, and it was dead. I looked at the next one that I wanted next, it was dead. I looked at the one I didn't really want, and it quickened. Sometimes it's the one you want, sometimes it's not the one you want. But I go with the quickening. That's my unction, and I know all things. I'm not trying to figure it out. The guy even stood there, his name's Reno, he's such a sweet guy. And he said, he said Reverend Field, uh, I need you to let me run the numbers. I said, no, you don't need to. But, but you don't even know if you can afford it. I can afford it. But you could afford something maybe better. Let me run the numbers. I don't need you to, Reno. I know something you don't know. But, but Reverend Field, I'm, I did. He said this. I'm, I'm, I'm the salesperson. You, you're not. What do you mean? I, you can't explain this to a carnal mind to people because they don't understand. But I have a quickened understanding. I don't have to figure it out. I know. I've proven it hundreds of times. When I get that knowing... If you want to run the numbers for me, you can, but I already know what I'm doing. And all the numbers will line up with my decision because the Holy Ghost already knew those numbers long before you ever calculated them. And I may not in my brain know the outcome of those numbers, but I know in my brain by my spirit, this is the right thing. 
I don't have to figure things out. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't figure things out. I'm just saying you don't always have to rely on your figuring ability. You can rely on your knowing ability. My God. What, 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 what revelation, Jenny? I'm quick. Now, last thing. It's 12.03. I'm watching. But look at this last statement. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 2. And it says, might and the spirit of knowledge and, the, and of the fear of the Lord. This means reverence. When you, if you have the attitude of, I'm going to be able to figure all, I'm going to know all this stuff. And I'm going to be so quick and sharp because I'm so educated. Because I'm such a good person. Because I do seven ministry of helps and Reverend Greg only does two. <laughs> because I give a lot of money and this person doesn't give that much money. Because I've really been a Christian a long time and this person hasn't been a Christian. You see, people, Jenny, they, they take on themselves like, I'm going to really be so advanced now because of me. And the Bible says he'll make you of quick understanding according to the fear of the Lord. When you reverence God... When you have a humility before God, when you say, Father, you are my source, I humble myself reverently before you, I have a holy fear of you, that posture, that attitude causes quickened understanding. So you don't take credit for it, you know it's from God. That attitude keeps you sharp and alert and quick in your mind. Do you understand? You're not going to get Alzheimer's because of your parents, and you're not not going to get Alzheimer's because you're such a good person. Listen to me. You're not not going to get Alzheimer's because you take vitamins. Because I know people that take vitamins, and they're more sick than people that don't take vitamins. And I'm not against vitamins. But your faith can't be in your ability. It can't be in your vitamins. It can't be in your non-GMO diet. It can't be in your veganism. It can't be in anything. And all those things are good. But your faith can't be in that. Your faith is rooted in the reverence of the Lord. Father, you are the great God. I humble myself before you. I reverence you. Out of that flow, you said, I take the, the humble and I lift them up. You said, you give grace. That means power and ability to the humble. Lord, as I humble myself, give me your power. Give me your ability. Give me your life. Let it flow into me and I will be of quick understanding. I'll be spirit led. My mind will be sharp. I'll never lose my mind. My body will be healthy. No matter what is in the food that I buy at the grocery store, my body will be healthy. My wife and I have been on a quest for a long time and it's caused more confusion and pain than help. We've talked to so many people, I've lost count. We've talked to so many pastors. I've got a long list. Go with this company. Go with that company. Do this. Now you've got to go vegan. Then the other one says, don't go vegan. And then this person says, now do this. And the other one says, don't do that. And you look on the internet and they say, do this and don't drink this. And then the other one says, drink this. The world is plumb crazy. They've lost their minds. And I said, God, I want to be right. I want to be good for my children. I don't know if I should do this thing. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone says, don't eat the soy. And then people say, eat the soy. And then they say, don't do this. And then do this. I said, God, I'm as confused. I'm lost as a goose in a snowstorm. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to believe anymore. Everybody's telling me different things. And there's some common sense follow. But I'm talking about, I don't know, my wife and I didn't know. And the word of the Lord came to me. This will set you free. This will save you thousands of hours if you want to hear it. The word of the Lord came to me. He said, son, I'm telling you the word of the Lord came to me. Set me totally free. He said, son, 
You think your healing covenant only applies to the manifestation of disease. When disease shows up, you apply the healing covenant. He says the healing covenant applies to unmanifested disease. What does he mean by that? There might be things in your food that aren't that good for you. But I understand that everybody's telling you different things and it's causing you confusion, but confusion is not of my spirit. And you don't know which to buy and which not to buy. So unless I lead you specifically, do what I say. But if I don't lead you specifically, claim that your healing covenant covers and dissolves and neutralizes whatever is in those foods that would otherwise unrestrained cause disease. The disease is unmanifested at this time, but science says if you keep doing this, it'll cause these. But then other people say if you keep doing the same thing, it'll help you. The Lord said, you don't always know everything that you, I'm trying to help you. You don't always know everything that you should do if I haven't showed it to you specifically because my word doesn't tell you this. So claim your healing covenant, not just when the disease shows up, but even to anything to the unmanifested disease, to anything that could cause disease, but it hasn't caused disease yet. Claim your healing covenant that your healing, the power of God dissolves and destroys those chemicals or those germs or whatever it is that could harm you. And eat your food with joy, son. My problem is I just eat a little bit with too much joy. So I'm, I'm dealing with that, but, I'm, but that's a separate issue because it can confuse, it can confuse you. Now listen, if the Holy Ghost says to you, do not drink this, you better listen. But if he doesn't show that to you, you can't go by what everybody says because Don Colbert says one thing and the other great Christian doctor says something totally different. And you listen to all of them and before you know it, you feel like you've gone crazy in your wits. After you just confess that you're never going to go crazy in your wits. But all this confusion out there about health and what you should do. So I'm telling you, you know what you need to do? You just need to say, Holy Ghost, I'm led by the Spirit. If you tell me not to eat something or not to buy something, I will follow. I won't try to make everybody else do the same thing I'm doing. Because the Bible says, don't you cause other people to stumble in your food. And because you don't eat something, don't tell somebody else that they can't eat that. And just because you like your, your soy milk, don't tell me that I have to drink your soy milk if that's not what I feel in my heart. Because we can make a divisive issue in the body of Christ with this. You do what you have in your heart and don't try to sell it to other people. You follow the Holy Ghost if he shows you. And if he doesn't show you, use common sense. Eating Cheetos every day is not common sense. Having fatty bacon every day, whether pork's bad or not, is your, your, that's between you and God. I'm just saying ultra high Cholesterol foods is obviously not common sense. Eat it once in a while, but don't eat it at every meal. There's a common sense to diet and health. But unless the Lord reveals and pinpoints things to you, you have to just say, Father, I'm not sure what's in this food, but my healing covenant destroys anything that would cause disease in my body. You have not told me not to eat it, and I'm eating in moderation. What does the Bible say? With thanksgiving, your food is sanctified. What does that mean? Set apart for your body. If my food is sanctified and set apart for me, you might not believe in gluten, but if God didn't tell me not to eat gluten and I eat that bagel, no, I'm serious. And I pray with thanksgiving, moderation, and good common sense. Moderation. That doesn't mean you eat nine bagels. Common sense. Do you understand? That doesn't mean you eat bagels covered in chocolate all the time. There's common sense and there's moderation. Do you understand? But if I do that and there's some gluten in it and you're thinking that it's going to cause problems, maybe that's your conviction. But if God didn't talk to me about it, 
And I'm using moderation and common sense. And what do I do, Jenny? The Bible says, let all things that have been received with thanksgiving be sanctified. Father, I, that's why you should say grace. Father, I speak over this food and I want you to know, Father, I'm grateful for it. There are people that don't have food today. I'm thankful for this food. And I receive it by faith, with common sense, and in moderation. And I thank you that your power now divinely sanctifies it. What does that mean? It separates it, separates it, separates. If there's chemicals in there that could cause disease, they die. If there's things in there that could hurt me, they die. You separate it to my specific body because I received it with thanksgiving in moderation and good common sense and by faith. But if he tells you don't eat that, don't eat it. But don't, don't, don't spend thousands of hours getting all confused and spending all your money at the health food store where you go broke now because now you, one week you're a vegan and the next week you're a vegetarian and the next week now you're doing the thing where you, all you eat is meat. I know people that they did all the meat and then now they're completely vegans and they won't touch anything with a head or a face or whatever the vegans do. I'm not against the meat only and I'm not against the vegans. Do what's in your heart, but don't try to convince your brothers and sisters that they need to do it now with you. And if you're confused, just, just enjoy your salvation. Lord, I receive it with thanksgiving. It is set apart as healthy to me. I have moderation. I have common sense. And I receive it by faith. And if there's something in it that's bad for me, it dies on contact with my system. Because if a, if a flu germ, Jenny, can die on contact, if a bubonic plague germ can die on contact, don't you think some chemical and some food can die on contact? I'm not like the world. I'm not confused. I refuse to live confused. Praise God. Hallelujah. I will never lose my mind. I will never go into a home for those with dementia and Alzheimer's. I feel so sorry for them, Lord. If I can help them, I will, but it'll never happen to me. My mind stays sharp. My mind is alert. And I have quickened understanding because I reverence the Lord. And out of that humility comes the grace and the power to keep my mind and my brain at full optimal potential. And it keeps my spirit alive so that my mind knows what my spirit is thinking. Why? Because I'm touched, Jenny. I'm touching life. Yes, Why? Because I think about the word. I think about things to do with the word. I talk about the word. I talk about things to do with the word. And I'm constantly spiritually minded and I'm touched into life. Yeah. Glory to God. You don't even need somebody to lay hands on you. Just stay touched into life. It will flow through your, it will course through your body. It will open up your, your veins and your, your, your arteries if they're clogged. It will clean your blood. The life of God will recreate your corneas. It will work in your brain and cause your memory to become perfect. It will work in your joints. It will work in your tissues and your muscles and your nervous system that you'll become perfect, 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 wholly complete in spirit, soul, and body. Because I think about the word. I meditate on the word. I talk about it all the time. I'm touched into life. Glory to God. That's your soul and your body. And next Sunday we'll talk about addictions. Whether you have them or not, you need to know to help somebody else. Heavenly Father, I bless these people. Oh, Lord, I'm so glad it's been bubbling and in the slow cooker because it's real to me. It's real to me. 
I want it to be real to them. Lord, it's not just about a religious duty at church. It's about what we do for the other 108 hours a week. How much are we tapped into life? What are we thinking about? Lord, I know, by, I know like my name is Craig Field that healing and freedom has come to people this morning. That if they inclined their ears to your word and strained their hearing to listen and to pay attention, and if they lay, if they lay hold of this message by faith, if they, lay, if they did lay hold of it, I know revelation has flowed. I know help has come. I know rescue has come. They will be better off because of it. Father, I'm going to stay in touch with the life of God. I don't want to sow to the flesh. I don't want to be carnally minded. I want to stay in the life and the peace of the Holy Ghost. It's flowing in me right now. Every one of them that has paid attention to this message for the last hour and change, the life of God has been flowing into them in a constant stream, targeting bad blood, targeting pain, targeting bones, targeting ligaments, targeting wrong thinking, targeting messed up thoughts, targeting brain cells that aren't functioning right. The life of God's been flowing for the last hour working on every person that's been listening because as they've listened, they've meditated and they've touched the life of heaven. Lord, let them continue as they go home. Let them continue in the car. Let them make it a lifestyle. And they'll see, they just give themselves a month or two, they'll see things will turn around even without a healing line. Things will just start turning around. The pain will just start dissipating. This will start happening, that will start happening. And they'll say, my God, this works like magic. It's not magic, it's called the life of God. It's called being spiritually minded. And we'll have it, Father, and we'll do it in Jesus' name.